Hey, hi, welcome to the whole podcast. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay. And joining me today, I'm Becky Alcantara. I'm the author and co founder of Journey to Wholeness, a program designed to help you feel equipped to face life's challenges. I say today, but it's like every time. Yeah. Yeah. And really, <laughs> like, I feel like I'm your guest. I don't know, like, who's hosting and who's guesting. I like that ambiguity. Yeah. I blame you. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding, because that's what we're talking about today. That's exactly what yeah, we're talking about. Yeah, there's something about. to really to blame, but um, we're for sure uh, talking about that today. And so, um, uh, thanks for joining us. If you would ever want more information about Journey to Wholeness and like to get into this for yourselves, uh, we offer courses all the time, right? All the time. There are new courses starting up this fall, and you can find those at Journey to Wholeness. Well, actually, it's j2wholeness.org. The letter J, the number two, and wholeness.org. And you can get a lot more resources, but you can also find new courses starting up near you all the time. Do you have to be a member of Life Church to take Journey to you Wholeness? You do not. Anyone can uh, participate in a Journey to Wholeness group. Currently, we have live groups going on in Green Bay, Wisconsin, but we are also featuring online groups uh, and an online option to anyone who's outside of the area. Awesome. And then, do you have to be a Jesus person to take Journey to Wholeness? Absolutely not. That's what I love about Journey to Wholeness. While there is scripture involved in Journey to Wholeness, there is a lot of science and practical tools and resources uh, that anyone can relate to. Uh, but we know that when we add Jesus into the factor, that just compounds the effectiveness, just the potential, yeah, yeah, and effectiveness. Absolutely, that's so cool. That's so cool. So right. So we're talking about blame today, mm-hmm. and let me just tell you that I feel like, and I don't know if this is where you're starting, but I feel like you weren't ready to say something, so I felt like I was going to say <laughs> something to start. Like, I feel like my whole life, up until recently, anytime something bad happened, I wanted to find someone to blame it on, so Mm -hmm. that way I didn't have to own it, or I wasn't responsible for it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just like, this just happened, whose fault could this be that's not mine? And I feel like a lot of us do that, and sometimes without even knowing that we're doing it, we just like immediately, without even like going through the process of who can I blame? You just immediately think, oh, this is so-and-so's fault, or I can't believe my dad, or I can't believe my wife, or I can't believe my whatever. Right. Yeah. And that's where we start a lot of times because there's a lot of reasons. There's a scientific reason, and that gives me comfort always, that there is a way that our brains are structured that have us go that way until we're equipped and able to determine what really is the underlying issue that we need to address. Hmm. And so that's where blame comes from. We're looking for what's responsible, but it really blame is shelving that thought for a time when you are capable of actually processing what's happening. Hmm. Uh, so what blame is, is we want to hold responsible, find faults, and ensure place of responsibility for something. What I love is where that word comes from. It comes from, in Fr- French, it comes from blasphemy, which is like to condemn. Like we want to condemn whatever happened. So something negative may have happened and we want to condemn that. We know it wasn't right. And so we want to identify it as such. But it also has uh, another root and that's blasphemy which you can already hear what that sounds like. It sounds like blasphemy. Yeah. So we may be accusing uh, incorrectly. We may be placing blame and responsibility in a place that doesn't actually hold that. And so that's what blasphemy would be, right? Hmm. Calling something that is not true, saying something untrue about something. And so really when we're doing that, we, we're looking for blame because remember, if you've been following along, our brain is designed to help protect us, to keep us safe, right? To help us survive. So immediately it goes, something's wrong here, but I don't find any information that we can use to resolve this. So we're going to call it this right now because your brain's going to give it a narrative and try to file it. But it's really shelving it saying you need to address this at some point or another. So what happens is that we'll find that reoccurring in our life. Recurring? Reoccurring? That's always a question. It's recurring, I believe. Yeah, I think it's probably recurring. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Something that happens again and again. It'll happen again and again. It'll keep coming up as a flag. Like, is it time for us to address this yet? Because your brain wants to address it. It wants to file it properly so that it can protect you, so it can keep you safe, so that you can live a positive and well life. So it won't leave you alone until you've actually addressed that. And so that's where we can find ourselves consistently blaming. When uh, you find someone goes quickly to blame or you find yourself going quickly to blame, you want to, well, this is to blame or uh, this is what happened or he did it, right? Uh, We've seen this since Genesis 3 when God came into the garden and he asked Adam and Eve who ate from the fruit and what happened? Immediately they started pointing fingers at each other, right? So Eve points fingers. There's only two people on the whole planet. (laughs) 
well, and the, well, and then the serpent. So Eve points at the serpent. The man points at the woman. You know, it was just a big pointing game. And so it wasn't that they had made the mistake that was the issue. And I think that's what we're afraid of sometimes. Someone made a mistake. Who needs to be blamed for this? No one needs to be blamed. What we need to do is look at why we made the mistake, what was responsible for that, and now how do we address that and move forward? Hmm. Sounds pretty simple, right? But when we're in the heat of things, yeah, for some reason, at some point, we determined, and it probably you can probably think of something in your childhood where someone pointed at you unjustly and said, you did it, and you're like, wah, and you, you wanted to defend yourself, but you didn't know how. And it's that same feeling we get when something else happens and someone blames us, right? You get that same, like, rot like hard rock in your stomach, that mm -hmm. pit, like you're worried that now your integrity is in question here and you're trying to defend yourself um, or you uh, are trying to defend yourself in that you know you're not to blame for whatever or don't think you are for whatever uh, occurred in your life. And so you're looking for where that source is. And so mm. uh, we can just start doing that so automatically that we have to slow that down uh, slow down that process so that we can actually get out of it what we're supposed to. We were designed to notice when things are wrong in our heart, in our mind, in our environment, so that we can take action about it. Uh, what's happened, though, is that there's a couple of things in play when we quickly go to blame and don't think about, well, what is it I'm trying to accomplish? And so we see that in our world today, where there's a lot of pointing fingers and a lot of who's to blame for this and that. Is it politics? Is it religion? Is it, you know, is it my neighbor? Is it me? Really what we are supposed to be doing is slowing it down and saying, okay, let's stop the blame. What's the root issue? And how can we constructively work toward getting it resolved? Yeah. What can we do to help each other to address it, right? Um, the scripture talks, and I know a lot of people talk about this scripture a lot, and it's in Matthew, and it says, when do you, when, why, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And we can take a little bit of offense to that, right? We're like, well, what do you mean I have a big log in my eye? Yeah. But the point of that scripture is that what is it that you're engaging in that needs to be addressed. Because when you do that, when I slow down and go, here I, I'm either taking blame, because a lot of us take blame. We just assume everything is our responsibility and we're to blame mm. for everything that goes wrong in our life. And then so we just sit in this like self created pit where where we don't accomplish anything and we want to hide from the world that's not what we were designed to do um what the scripture is telling us is like hey address those things don't let yourself be blamed for something that you're not responsible for but where there is responsibility and accountability to be had then go ahead and engage in it address that so that you can be more useful and helpful to the people around you so now if i've addressed anything i've felt blame for and have been ashamed about right so blame and shame go hand in hand sure, often. They rhyme. oh gosh yeah they rhyme so they go hand in hand uh but you often feel the the joint weight of those two things if i address that in myself now i am more equipped to see that in others and help others in that process as well so even when someone is trying to point blame at me i don't need to receive that blame right we all have that choice that i can receive or deny something someone's trying to hand to me but i also don't get emotionally engaged so now i'm able to help work that person or help that person work through that process yeah. maybe i am responsible for something that triggered that person and for that i can be completely apologetic and sorrowful for however that doesn't mean that i need to carry that burden and so there's just so much weight that's lifted which is what the scripture is trying to point us to i just feel like for many of us we might be feeling so much shame that we don't have room to take on blame and so it's easier for us just to like source that out to somebody else like right. i'm full of shame right now there's no room for me to take blame so i'm just gonna find a way and we get really creative about it like mm -hmm. i like if i you know, if I bang my shin on the trailer hitch behind my car, right, right, which hurts a lot. Who put been, that there? Right. And so like, <laughs> oh, I see, because so-and-so didn't let me do this and they didn't have me do that. And then they chose to do this other thing. And now they took that car to this thing. This is how it's all there. Like we get so elaborate yes. in trying to assign. I know you said sometimes we take on blame. I don't know what that looks like, but I know for <laughs> sure what it looks like when I'm, when I misdistribute. Mm -hmm. wrongly distribute blame mm -hmm. like i'll just get i'll get 
fantastically creative right. and trying to make it somebody else's fault because maybe it's because my shame is full. Right. And I'm like, I've got, I can't take this on. This I couldn't possibly be my fault. Anymore. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, first and foremost, we have to understand like why, why we even go to blame as a tool or a resource. And the first one is what you said to explain why something happened. So as humans, we're, we're our default is to always look for the cause for something, right? Cause again, we're, we're looking to survive and to thrive in life. Um, but we don't have to find fault to move forward. And I find that with a lot of people. So let's say you're moving on to a new job and everyone's like, why are you leaving your job? Was there something wrong? And we go, there was nothing wrong. So parentheses, there was nothing wrong. We just found another opportunity, but we go, yeah, yeah, well, actually, and we start coming up with a narrative to justify why we're leaving. We're creating some blame there, right? So we're trying to find a narrative. We're not very good at transitions. I mean, as humanity, we're just not good at transitions. We, for some reason, think that we have to call something good that we're leaving bad in order to justify the reason why we're moving on to something else. And that mm. it doesn't have to be that way. Think of when you move from the last house to the current house and people are like, why did you move? And you're like, well, I guess... Um, and you come up with all these reasons. And I've learned just to say, well, we had this op other opportunity. And so we took it. And we loved our previous neighbors. And we loved our cul-de-sac. If any of you are listening, we loved you all. We didn't want to leave you. But we found this other place that fit our family as well. Right? So it doesn't have to be this or that it doesn't have to be or it can be this and that right hmm. i love my neighbors there but i love my neighbors here i loved my house there but i love my house here and so what we need to learn is that one we don't have to use blame to explain why something happened right we don't have to create a negative narrative to move on to something else um and then uh the second reason that we might um, use blame is that it's just easier, right? So we talked about that in the beginning, that we uh, may not have the tools or resources or narrative to actually deal with the things that we're talking about, which is why we offer Journey to Wholeness. Maybe you've never slowed down. You've never been walked through the process of let's look at the things that have occurred and let's break them down and really look at where I'm responsible, where I was not responsible, what tools I can grab from that experience to move forward, um, and and then how I can apply them today. That's a lot of work, right? <laughs> that takes a lot of time. And like you said, when you're already feeling overwhelmed, I can't. Maybe in the midst of a crisis, you can't. Maybe it is easier to blame. But if we want to get out of a crisis, if we want to move forward and grow and accomplish something, uh, we have to eventually take that time to look at what were the conditions that created what we have today and did I have any responsibility in that maybe you don't but be willing to at least look at that so that you can then look at what else might have been playing a factor into what we're addressing right now so that we can start looking at that in a constructive manner um, so yeah blame is just easier it's again our brain said hey let's shelf this Let's give it a narrative and we'll address it later when you are more capable and able to do that. Hmm. So those are just two uh, reasons. But the third is kind of what you were talking about, too, is uh, it's just a great defense mechanism. Right. So um, when I am not capable of addressing why I'm placing blame on others or myself, um, one, it's a, a form of denial. Um, so I'm faced with something that at present I cannot handle. And when I can blame this on something else, then I don't have that additional weight. So again, my cup is full. I have too much blame and shame inside of me already that I can't handle. And so we're going to uh, shelf that. So it, it helps us to be, to, it helps us to be in denial about maybe some of the flaws that we had, some of the responsibilities, some of the failings that we contributed so that we're not further overwhelmed and unable to operate in our day-to-day -day functions, right? We still need to get up and breathe and eat and bathe and walk and work. So all of those things are going to take priority. It's in the reptilian section of your brain, like the most base portion of your brain. This is what we have to do today. So if you're so overwhelmed that you can't address these other things, your brain is going to go down to that reptilian portion and say, okay, we're just going to get you eating and breathing and walking and bathing mm -hmm. um, and and surviving. And when you have the space, when you feel safe enough, when, when the pressure is off enough that you can address these things, then we're going to enter into them. What we need to know, though, is that sometimes we have to create those spaces, 
right? So we can keep operating the way we've been operating, but who wants to live in such a base level of life, right? That's not what we were designed for. But at some point we have to go, okay, I know I'm under a lot of pressure. Where can I take some pressure off? Because I want to address these things because I want to see my relationships thrive. I want to see myself move forward. There are things that I want to accomplish and achieve in life. And when did we give up on those things anyway? Because when we say, or when we don't make room for these processes in our life, that's what we're basically saying, that mm. I've chosen not to actually live my life to the fullest. And I don't think any of us are doing right. that consciously. Uh, but there comes these little prompts, right? Whether it be a situation or a person or ourselves or a word that you hear in a sermon on a Sunday that tells us, hey, there's something more and what are you going to to choose. And that's the question we have when we see or find that we're entering into blame. We have gone into this automatic mode when we're blaming. What am I going to choose? Am I going to choose better? And how am I going to make room for that? Yeah. Do you ever notice that when you're <clears throat> when you're thinking about buying a new car, like we all get to that point. Some people it's fast. Some people it's like a year or two years. And some people it's like three or four years. And some people it's like five or six years. And some people it's more, whatever. Anyway. But like as soon as you start looking at a car, then you're like, oh, you know what? I really like the new Subaru Outback. And then it just seems like you're seeing Subaru Outbacks everywhere. Like you can't even like drive down a street and there's more Subaru. Yes. They're just everywhere, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like that's because like we're tuned into it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like we, you know, we're we're looking for it. Not yes. even though we don't know we're looking for it. We're just looking for it. Exactly. And so my brother once said, you know, you'll always find what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about blame, I think about that too. Like, I think that we can get in such a state or in embroiled in resentment or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. that we'll just look, we're looking for a way to blame. We're mm -hmm. looking for something to blame on whoever mm -hmm. we're, you know, in conflict with mm -hmm. just so we can like build a better case. For sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, it's a form of self-protection in, in case of denial. Um, and in the case of arrested development, right, we're just trying to protect an area where we were injured. And so we're going to keep looking for support <laughs> for the case that we're building to continue to s protect ourselves mm. until we are made aware of the fact that in doing so, we're limiting ourselves, right? In doing so, we're cutting ourselves off from the very things that we desire and need and find ourselves in a really lonely and isolated place because we've done so much blaming. No one wants to even approach us because they know they're going to get a strike of blame for something that they're not responsible for. And, and if that person is designed just like I am, they're made to protect themselves as well. And so is it any wonder that we can find that we have distanced ourselves from the people we love the most when our, our speech is a continuous line of blaming and finding support for blaming to right. keep us from having to actually deal with the innermost hurts and concerns and um, narratives that we've formed ourselves. I feel like it's so important to address this thing because like blame is one of those things that I think people around us recognize it in us before we recognize it in ourselves yes. and it makes us difficult to be around it makes us toxic to be around if you're the kind of person that's always blaming everything on everyone else mm -hmm. because your cup is full or your you know your shame bucket is full or whatever whatever reason you're blaming everybody else everyone else sees it maybe before you do yeah. right and it just and so the the chance at like having a meaningful relationship or a or a healthy relationship to help you work through that like wanes it like it wears off it mm -hmm. wears away until like you don't have that chance with some people because you the more you're blaming others all the time the less easy it is to get close enough to you mm -hmm. to feel like you can help you know help, uh, some, help them through that exactly you know what i mean exactly and i in as much as i worry about someone who blames all the time i think uh just the genuine care of asking what's really going on. So if I find that someone close to me is going through a a period of blaming in that who did this and who did like all of us know, we all have a spouse or a significant other or a loved one who will kind of 
uh, stomp around the house and go, who did this? Who left this up? Who did it? Right. And instead of going, oh, dear Lord, here he comes again or here she comes again. Can I just set down what I'm doing and go over and say, hey, hey, what's going on? What happened today? Yeah. How are you feeling? Right. There's some underlying root. The behavior is never the root issue. The root issue is the root issue. The behavior is just letting us know there is a root issue. And so if we can pause and say that. But when we can, where I get more concerned is someone who does self-blaming. And they internalize that because if I see someone uh, kind of spouting off and I just like see the exclamation points and the hands flailing, that I know that's a sign like, hey, help me. I need someone. I need help right now. I feel overwhelmed. So I'm blaming. I can go and go, OK, what's happening? But for that person who internalizes it, we don't see that. Right. I may not see the person who in silence is suffering. And so. I worry about that. So if you're someone who blames yourself, you're doing that same thing. You're making a decision without having that conversation with anyone or asking for help from anyone. It's more important that we're able to go, hey, I recognize that I'm having a blame game session right now, whether that's uh, toward someone else or inside of myself. What's really going on? What do I feel overwhelmed by? What do I need right now? What am I upset about? What am I feeling? And just addressing those things can really dispel any need for blaming. Because when we can identify that item, we go, oh, that's what that is. And suddenly our brain, the higher levels of our brain can get to work, right? Because we first have to be able to identify it. Once we identify it, now our brain can do all the things that it was designed to do because we're all capable of working through those things because God created us that way. Our brain is functioning functions in a way that it can resolve and heal, right? Our bodies are made to heal. Heal that area of concern or hurt or pain or suffering or, or feelings of overwhelm if we just pause, if we slow it down enough to say, what's really going on here? So if you're finding you're blaming more, uh, I'm not surprised, right? We have a lot going on in the world right now that we don't feel like we have any control over. We want to find what the root is because we want resolution. Um, but blaming doesn't get us there. What we have to start asking is, what is my part in this? What can I do? And then what can't I do? Or what can I do that I hadn't thought of before? Mm. Right. So if you're concerned about how uh, the election is going right now, who can you get in touch with? Right. Maybe you may say, well, it's not going to matter, but it's going to matter to you because you took action. And now you're going to give yourself the peace and reduce the anxiety and the stress and make yourself more capable and able to operate and and move forward than you were before. If you just sit there in the blame, right, you're still holding on to that whole burden. You're still holding on to that anxiety. You're still holding on to that worry. So don't use blame because blame is going to stunt your ability to grow and be creative and do the things that you can do. Uh, and we think when we blame, we're actually pushing that responsibility away when in fact we're not. Mm -hmm. And so for nothing else, remember that when you blame, that that's detrimental to you. It's not helping you to actually release that burden. So use a different form. And I think a lot of us don't because, um, you know, there's some arrestment in our development. Somewhere, someplace, we had that experience where we were blamed and we were unjustly blamed and we're carrying that fear, we're carrying that anxiety. And so that's what we're still operating from in the self-protection mode. Hmm. But when we understand what blame lets us know and then what we're capable of doing, it's going to help us then to release that burden, which then makes it possible for our brains to be creative again and problem solving and actually getting through and thriving in the situation, yeah. no matter what it is. I'd like to back up a step or two. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I feel like in my life, regret and blame can sometimes be intertwined. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, uh, I have four kids, two sets of kids, like 1.0 and 2.0. And, uh, I had my first kids young. Like, I think I was 20 when my daughter was born, Allie. And so Allie, that makes Allie now 33. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't seen Allie in a year, a year and a half, maybe longer than that. She just, um, she moved out. She walked out of uh, her family. Like she left her husband and her son and... Uh, but things even weren't great before that. We were, um, 
we've been estranged for a long time. And like, I'm not an estranged kind of guy. Like, I feel like I'm like whatever the opposite of estranged is. I'm an engaged kind of guy. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's the opposite of estranged, but like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And so, uh, like everything else, whenever we talk about me in these conversations, I like, I like, I'm just going to put that out of my mind, you know, Mm -hmm. out of sight, out of mind. I'm not even going to think about it. So I do that a lot. But when I do start thinking about Allie, I do start thinking like, what did I do? You know, like I try to replay, you know, interactions or replay seasons in our lives together and just wonder like, how did I fail her as a dad? Mm -hmm. Like, what could I have done better? Like, what could I have done differently? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's why I feel like regret and blame for me anyway, sometimes ends up in the same space. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that I can't blame myself, you know, for decisions that she makes as a grown woman. Like, I, I mean, like. I mean, it's not like she's eight, right? You know, but I still feel, uh, complicit, you know, in the fact that we are estranged or the fact that she, you know, walked out of her family's life. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like you don't do that unless that's been modeled for you. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I tell myself. You don't, you know, you don't walk out on your kid unless you felt abandoned as a kid. Mm -hmm. You don't walk out on your spouse unless you saw your mom or dad walk out on their spouse, mm-hmm. you know? And so I sit in that sometimes. Right. You know? Right. And some of that is we do repeat the behaviors that were modeled to us, especially in times of difficulty. Uh, and when we didn't feel like we knew what to do next. Um, but I think that's part of where blame can really hurt us in that we're trying to change past events in our mind and in our heart. And so we replay them and we replay them. And then like you said, then we get more aware of other situations and other interactions that mm, see that there's the proof of that happening again. And so that's where I see blame externally can be very cause lots of isolation separation but internally can do even more damage right so now we're living in this belief of ourselves that isn't um isn't friendly to growth right because if you keep trying to change what's in the past that's impossible unless you have a time machine and i'd like to get in on that yeah right <laughs> uh, but then we would just go back and mess it up anyway if you watch any of the sci-fi movies that's exactly right. what happens it's we'll true. mess up the timeline and we can't even fix that either so what we have to do is again that's where blame doesn't help us it lets us know that there's something wrong it lets us know that there's a faulty idea or thinking that is going on inside of us that is ruling and determining how we take our next steps yeah what we need to do is say, okay, here's this blame, here's this red flag, let me just grab it, like pick it up and say, what can I do today? If I was complicit in what happened in the past, if I did model things that I didn't intend or want to model, but I acknowledge that I didn't have any other resources at the time, what do I know today? And how can I move forward with that today? What can I do to repair the situation, the relationship? And then acknowledge on the flip side that that's all I can do. Because this other individual, who I love very much, is her own person at this point as well. I can continue to extend the hand of let's restore this relationship. Here was my part in that, and I acknowledge it, and I apologize for it. Can we now move forward constructively and positively? But that's still the choice of the other person to engage in that. Remember what I said. It takes a form of safety to do that. There has to be enough proof for that person as they're looking for you know, can I find fault? Can I find fault and blame that there is enough change here that I, I'm going to take the risk of stepping into that again, because perhaps I did experience hurt or pain or suffering, or I received something in a way that, um, I, I was negatively affected, but do I trust this person today? having them having acknowledged their responsibility and their part in it to say, now let's take a chance at working on this together and moving forward. Let me listen to you a little more on what was it that, here's what happened. Tell me your perspective on that, right? Because right now you're creating this narrative that may not even be true. If you had a conversation 
is it possible that she'd go, oh my gosh, none of that stuff. Hmm. But I was overwhelmed myself and here's how I was seeing it, right? But we have condemned and blamed ourselves based on a narrative that's one-sided. Yeah. We haven't received what that other person has experienced. And so we have to have enough grace for ourselves always first to say, maybe I have this wrong. Maybe I have this wrong and that I ha- hold more responsibility than I thought, but maybe I have this wrong and that I don't hold as much responsibility as I'm putting on myself. Yeah. Right. There's some blessed far. Uh, yeah. Farmay happening right now against myself. And that's the first question we have to ask. This is always about I, I always tell people 90 percent of what's happening has nothing to do with you. Most of what's happening inside of you has everything to do with you, but not in the way that you're seeing right now your perspective is skewed you only have half of the story you made up the rest of it right and depending on where your heart is if your heart is one of compassion and empathy and connection and the opposite of um then you're gonna go it must have been me I'll take all the responsibility, right? Because we also believe that that's the Christian way. Well, Jesus took all the sins of the world on him, so I'm going to take all the sins of the world on myself as well. And we carry way more than we should. We blame ourselves for way more than we should. And so an act of compassion to ourselves first is actually an act of compassion to our neighbor and our family and, and everyone else we love around us because the more we heal, the more those around us are healed. One, because we're not bleeding or spilling out onto others in our unhealthiness but also they get the opportunity to see us in that state and go maybe i can trust again Hmm. if they can do it maybe i can as well now our first reaction sometimes is like well look at them like they must have never had any of the experiences i had how can they be so healthy they're just blessed god loves them more they had a better situation than i did growing up you can hear the narrative, right? Yep, so we're blaming. Sure. I'm blaming all of my past because that person has it better than I do. But I bet you if you gave or sat down in a conversation and gave them some time, you would find out that some of those people who seem to be most at peace, most at rest, um, are the people who have had the craziest stories. They've had things that they've had to work through and walk through as well, but they had just gotten to a point that they realize I need to take a hold of this and work through line by line, day by day, year by year. What is it that has been impacting me? What have I been blaming myself for that I don't need to do? God took that when he sent Jesus on the cross, right? He said, you don't need to blame yourself. Look for blame in the Bible. It's not there. It does tell us, though, that we have to look at what it is that we're thinking and feeling and seeing and operating on. And we do need to address that. That's it. Be aware of yourself. Understand how you were designed. Understand how you're made up. Understand why we do these things. And now we can be free from the burden of those, right? There isn't any blame. God doesn't blame us. So why are you blaming yourself? Yeah. Or why are you trying to blame others? Yeah, I love this because I feel like Maybe the first step for so many people, at least if, because of course I think everyone's just like me. I feel like everyone thinks like me or feels like me. And so that's so everyone, I feel like everyone needs to like realize that like there doesn't need to be blame to go around. Like, you know what I mean? If something happens, it reminds me of the scene in the Lion King. I don't know if it's in the live action version or in the Broadway show, but I know for sure that it's in the original movie where Simba comes of age. He's trying to find his way back to his pride. Mm -hmm. And so Rafiki is telling him like, yeah, you should totally go back because you're, you know, going to be the king or whatever. And so he bonks Simba on the head with his stick. I love that. And and Simba's like, wait, why did you do that? Like, because he's wanting to blame me. He's like, doesn't matter. It's Mm -hmm. in the past. And so I feel like we should all be more Rafiki, -like, Mm -hmm. Rafiki-like, Rafiki-esque. And just like, doesn't matter. It isn't like I nailed my shin. You know what? It's over now. Like, I don't need to find blame. Exactly. You know? And that's what Jesus did on the cross, right? He said, it's done. It's finished. Yeah. He actually said the words. It's yeah. finished. And yet we go, but how about, but can also, well, yeah. I'll just pick this up again, just in case yeah. you didn't mean it, yeah. God. Right. Yeah, you missed <laughs> right? this piece. And where did we think that there's a bucket of blame to hand out? I just yeah. love that analogy or that image. Just that yeah, image yeah. that... I have a bucket of blame I'm trying to hand out. How about we just toss that in the garbage behind the building and stop doing that? That takes me to a lot of these things that we talk about, anger, depression, uh, denial, all these things have like a positive thing. They do. You know, because there's a good reason why this happens or you can use this superpower for good. Yes. 
is there is there a good way to leverage blame or is blame just ugly start to finish? Again, it's that red flag to let us know that there's an opportunity to learn here. There's something wrong in our environment that we perceived or that is reality. And it's asking us to look at it so that we can either address it or dispel it. Is this true? Is this my perspective that's leading me this way? And I need to have a conversation so that I can release that and not carry it or try to point at anyone else? Or is this something that actually exists? And now I either need to take responsibility for my part in it or um, my disregard for it, right? Because our part can sometimes be our disregard. We just haven't addressed it. And so it's been allowed to grow. Uh, Or is this something that we can work on constructively together? Because I see this in someone else and I'm not going to blame them for it or point fingers at them, but I'm going to say, hey, I noticed this. How can we work on this together? Because I have some tools. I have been made aware. I have had some growth. I have gone through my own uh journey of working through these things that plagued me. And I don't know about you, but I heard Beth Moore say this one. So I'm going to take it as truth because Beth Moore is the jam. And she said, once I learned this, how could I keep this to myself? I need to tell everyone. And that's exactly how I feel. It's why I do journey to wholeness. When I know these things and I know that they plagued me at one time and made me a pretty bitter, ornery, not pleasant person to be around. And then to find out, wait, this is how I was designed. And this is what this is for. And I've been using it for that. How can I not tell everyone about it? And so when I see someone in that same state, sputtering, red-faced, upset, right? And and just uh, a stranger and and uh, isolated from the whole world. They're just they're in their own ball of anxiety and stress and anger and overwhelm. I can't help but say, "Hey, I know about something. I know some things I want to share with you because I have too much love for you as I see the Jesus in you and who and the and the potential that he created you with to leave you in that state. Yeah. And so most of us, because we haven't dealt with those things in ourselves, it keeps us from helping other people, right? So we see someone who in that state and we go, I'm going the other way. I ain't dealing with that. Why? Because we haven't dealt with it in ourselves enough. So we don't feel equipped or we don't feel confident enough to help someone else in theirs. It doesn't mean that we're taking on their burden. And I think a lot of times people think, well, I have enough going on in my life. I don't need to take on their burden as well. But if I have an extra sandwich and I see someone's hungry, I'm going to hand them a sandwich. And the more that I enter into this journey for myself, the more extra sandwiches and candy bars I have to hand out. And if you're hungry and if you're looking for something sweet and positive and some ray of hope or mercy that's going to help you and propel you into this journey as well why would I hang on to those because what I found is that when you empty your bucket of blame and you fill it with the hope and the light of the knowledge of yourself and and Christ and who you are in God in his image that that bucket gets replaced with a lot of good things that you can then hand out instead and as long as I keep handing them out they keep showing up and so that seems like a pretty good transaction to me and so why would I stop yeah I love that it occurred to me as you were talking, because you used the term uh, awareness, and I feel like this is true of so many of our conversations where <clears throat> the first step to growth as an adult or maturity as an adult is this idea of being aware of what's going on or caring enough to ask yourself the question. And so if you find that you're quick to blame others, like ask yourself, now why am I trying to blame so-and-so for this? Mm-hmm. Like what's what's going on? Like what are the you know, dynamics here that I want to blame this on them. Right. And so that's, that's the thing that's worth dealing with, not nailing your shin, not, you know, whatever, right. Not forgetting that someone was supposed to pick up your kid from school. And why does it, you know, why do you know right. it's right? Like, let's get to the, like, why do I want to blame that on somebody else? Right. Or why do I want to blame that on myself? Right? Why do I even care? Right. You know, it's I cared about my kid. That's a right. valid point. I was concerned from their, for their safety, but that's not the issue. We right. can wrap ourselves around a conversation about the issue. But the point is that kid was standing there alone. Right. Here's what I want to know from you. I care about that kid too. And so we messed something up here. So let's figure out how not to do that yeah. again versus whose fault was it? Yes. 
fault. <laughs> yep. There's, there's, there's no benefit to knowing whose fault it was. Right. There's no benefit for keeping that kind of ledger in your relationships. No. Right? Fault, no fault, at fault. You never fault. win. No one ever wins. No one. And especially that kid, which was the source of what you right. started. Yeah. That How's that kid feel about you guys going back and forth about who's to blame? Mm-hmm. And if you think they're not paying attention to that, they totally are. They totally are. And now they're going to have to go to a journey to wholeness, yeah. you know, 15 years from now. And here's where, like, it can get really toxic. The fourth reason we sometimes use blame is so that we can attack others. So like you were saying, we build a case, we build a case, we build a case. And initially that starts out because we don't feel safe. So we resort to hurting others before we can be hurt. So we have this internal hurt that we're trying to protect ourselves from. And so we, we started resorting to hurting others first. Whenever we had a sniff of perhaps it's going to turn on me or they're going to turn my way and say I was responsible for this, we lash out first. And so we use blame as a tool to attack, right? Blame first before someone else blames. Uh, we can do that in work. Oh, this project didn't get done. Well, I gave it to, you know, immediately yeah. we CYA, go to the right? self. Your boop, yeah, right? we, we immediately go to um, defense mode and protection. And so we might start out doing that unconsciously where we throw someone under the bus. Uh, We do that without hesitation or thought. It's like the first thing we do. Uh, But if we allow that to build up and continue, it can start to be a way that we justify our actions to ourselves um, to actually behave poorly toward others. And it actually, what it does scientifically, it breaks down your natural inhibitions. We weren't designed to hurt each other. There's this natural hesitation if you were going to... uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually injure someone. But it gets dulled by the fact that we have been building this case, using it to justify our action, and we start to use tool in attack mode versus just in a defensive mode. So we attack before because we have so much hurt built up, so much in the pot that now we are feeling like we're in a threat all the time. So our brain just, again, shuts down those creative parts, shuts down those empathetic parts, shuts down those compassionate parts, because now it's just trying to defend um, in a way that uh, you're under attack, and so it'll attack back. So when you're playing the blame game, there's a real danger that you can desensitize yourself and start using it as a tool to hurt others. And that's what we see. That's where sometimes we're afraid that "Mm, I'm not sure this person who's very quick to blame isn't in that mode. And we hesitate, right? Because we know that sometimes that's been used intentionally. Didn't start there, but it ended there. Why? Because it's so amplified at this point. And now, now you need professional help. There's always a point where we go, I can help you person to person just because we're friends, just because I know you, because you're my neighbor, because you're my family member. But at some point, we have to also be able to acknowledge when this has gone too far. Superpowers, right? It can it has the ability to help, but it can also have the ability to hurt. And when we're using anything in our lives to hurt others, now we really need to have someone intentionally who knows this i know this stuff pretty well but i am not a professional counselor right and so someone who studies this as their craft as their tool as their profession who has the time because this is what they do to sit down and walk through that point by point by point to help you to pull down those walls that have been built up to help you to heal from those things that's important too if you're using blame as an attack tool you might not even be listening (laughs) But if you know someone who is, that person, if you love them enough, you may need to say, hey, this is really getting pretty bad. And as much as it hurts me, I hate the way it hurts you. And so can we get you some help? Can we, would you be willing to sit down three times, right? Because the first time is just going to be a lot of resistance. But can you commit to three times? Because I want to see you living your best life. Mm. I wanted to see you happy. This is too much. Yes, this is not fair. The world you're living in right now stinks. Can we help? Can I help get you some help so that you can live a life that you're happier with? And and in the end, that helps me as well, right? It helps yeah. everyone around them. But can we care enough about someone to have that conversation? Yeah. Hard conversation. Right, for sure. I just want to reiterate something you just said. So you, <clears throat> to summarize, not the whole thing, but just this one point, you had talked about how it's not in our nature or in our tendency mm-hmm. to weaponize mm-hmm. our feelings or whatever, you know, to hurt somebody else. Right. <clears throat> unless we feel threatened. Mm-hmm. 
And so then what we'll do is you said that we will dull that, you know, that nature to not to inhibit hurting, others. right. To inhibit hurting others. Right. And so, cause we want to create a, we want to vilify them. We want to make them a villain. Are those the same words? Right. Like if we want to like, if I can, if I can build a case, if I can build a case, then I can override that natural inhibition so that I can then attack. Yeah. Right. So we do that in warfare all the time. I have to vilify the other person, even though that's a person. If you look that person eye to eye and you talk to people who were in the trenches, they couldn't go through with it right. when they were looking at someone eye to eye. But when I could create this narrative about who I was fighting and and dull that inhibition and dull really the humanity of that other person, then I was able to go through with these things. I feel like our politics is that way right now. And I'm not trying to make this a political thing, but I feel like I feel like whether it's local elections or national elections, I feel like we've stopped saying what's good about one candidate because mm-hmm. I can't able to just talk about like why the other person sucks. Mm-hmm. Like you, you totally can vote for this guy. Like we want to vilify mm-hmm. them. We want well, all the ads. That's all they say. Right. right. I, I, you can't base your decisions off of one side of the narrative. You can't focus on the negative and not look at the positive. Like you have to weigh both, right. To make a valid decision, a yeah. good decision. When you only have half of the story, you're, you're always going to lose, right? So whether that's you're only focusing on the negative or you're only focusing on the positive, you have to look at both sides to be able to make a good decision. And the same is true with ourselves as yeah. well when it comes to blame. I can't just look at the negative news and say, there, there it is, there's the blame. I have to look at the positive side as well. And then weighing both, I can say, all right, this is true and this is what needs to be addressed. And this, oh, I had that wrong. Because if I look at the good side, that tells me that my perception here was not quite accurate. And so I have to make a correction there. And that's okay. We have to be willing to make some mistakes, to count some things and hold ourselves accountable and responsible for what has been done wrong, what we may have done or said or or been a part of that was not correct. And just acknowledge it. The world doesn't collapse when you do that. What happens is we get to rebuild the world that we're living in, in our mind, in our heart, and in our families and communities. For me, you know, this topic of um, looking at both sides or, you know, both the positive and the negative of things, this is where, for me anyway, where Jesus enters into the equation. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like in my nature... I feel like because of whatever happened in my development that in my nature, I'm going to assume bad intent. I'm going to assume mm-hmm. bad everything. I'm just going to assume bad, right? But <clears throat> as I've come to understand who I am in Christ and who Jesus is to me, I realized that in my relationships, I need to assume the best of somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just work under the, under the assumption, right, that... They don't have a negative motivation. They don't have a, you know what I mean? Then in fact, it is just what it is or, you know, me, mm-hmm. or, or at the very least, or maybe like they're just trying to do what was positive. And like, it might not look like I wanted it to look or feel like I wanted it to feel right. like if I could just start assuming the best of people instead of the worst of people, right. like I find that my day, there's more joy there. Right. right. Because if you're just looking for the worst, if you're looking to blame everybody or looking for the worst out of everybody, if you're assuming crap, you're going to live in crap. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's such a flip, right? Instead of looking at if something goes wrong, instead of going, who's to blame? Can I say, what good came out of this? What am I taking with me out of this? It's a, ooh, it's a hard switch to make, right? Like you feel the resistance immediately. Like, well, no, I want I got to find out what's to blame so that I can protect myself from that. Except when we protect ourselves from that, we didn't actually learn anything from it, right? So when we shield ourselves, we didn't actually enter in and get anything useful to move forward right. and learn from whatever went wrong. But can I immediately, and I think this would do us all a lot of good right now, when a lot seems to be going wrong and there's a lot to be blame can we start saying all right i i know all those things already right ad nauseum in the past i don't even know how many months we're into this now where we're dealing with unprecedented chaos and uncertainty at least for our generation can i get up each day and say what's good yeah 
what's good? What did I learn yesterday? Yep, it was a hard day yesterday, but what did I get out of that? What did I learn about myself? What did I learn about the people around me? What am I going to do today? What's good? Um, so switch your narrative. Not who's to blame here. Well, what's good here? And you might have resistance around you, but you know what? I think we all are hungry and desperate for just a little bit of fresh air and a little bit of mercy and a little bit of compassion and and a lot of helping each other because in the end we are in all this together you might feel alone you might have been cooped up in your home and feel like there's no one to go to and yet your neighbor is right there going through the same thing you are or something similar um your your fellow moms and and dads and co-workers and business owners, they're all in the same boat that you are. Uh, can we start to look to each other and say, hey, what's good? Yeah. Um, because your good might inspire and encourage me, uh, but it might also help me acknowledge that, hey, that good you have, I have it as well. Yeah. And let me focus on that and grow that. Because the rest of it, blaming doesn't help me do anything but uh, sit in a pit of despair and wallow in my own self-pity. Right. Uh, and I think uh, there's enough of that. There's days where you want to do that and go ahead, sit in the mud, in the muck until your fingers are all pruny. But at some point you have to draw that line and say, okay, but then here and going forward, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit meme but I love the idea of just being the good in the world, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if you can't find a nice person, be the nice person. Be if you the can, nice person. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's there's so much more joy in that, mm-hmm. you know, and that, I mean, there's plenty of people that are mad, that are angry, that are Karens, that are like all the rest. Like there's plenty of them. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to like, they don't, we don't need more of those. Right. We need more people that are like, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. I don't yeah. need to find blame, right? Like Rafiki. And I just, you know. And I love that because the return on investment on that is far greater than when you're trying to cut your losses or preserve what you have. Because yeah. when you preserve what you think you have, that's all you're ever going to have. Right. It's like the the guy, the, the servant and the guy, right? The guy gave it's like three servants yep. some money. One guy invested it, made a bunch of money. One guy invested made a little it. bit of money. And we got buried it because yeah. I wanted, I didn't want to lose anything. Right. Well, there, that's there, the zero ROI. Zero. You know, and there's zero ROI in not being the good. There's zero ROI. You know, there's just, there's no good thing that could ever come of it. Right. Yeah. No one wins in the blame game. Yeah. How about we focus on the good? I love that. I love that. Hey, remind everyone where they can find more information about Journey to Wholeness. You can go to J2Wholeness, the letter J, the number two, wholeness.org. And again, we have courses starting this fall. If you're interested in signing up, classes are filling up fast. So get there today. Awesome. Thanks, Becky. I had a great time as always. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please uh, share it with someone you feel like, not someone you want to blame for something, but if you feel like someone you know and love is is struggling with blame, not just for others, but even for themselves, please share this podcast with them. We'd love for them to hear it. We recommend that you also subscribe to this podcast on all your favorite podcast channels. If you benefited at all from the words uh, that Becky had to say today, we'd encourage you to visit lifechurchgreenbay.com slash give and support our podcast. Church is different, you guys. Church has left the building, and now church is as much about these conversations as it is anything. And so if you'd like to support this podcast, please visit lifechurchgreenbay.com slash give. We'd appreciate your support. We'll talk to you next time.